0: church very well knows what time it is, it's the end time. We understand that, we comprehend the brokenness of the world. We're set aback by it because we truly thought there was more time for us to do the work of the church. Salvation and discipleship, regeneration, to change the culture. To reach into lives and change them, but alas, we're there, and we know that. There are those today in the world that we live in, both outside and unfortunately inside the church, that their function is not as one following Christ, but they're... I guess the thing I can describe them most like would be a virus. They want to be around the church, and they want to be a part of that, but they're not willing to make that commitment to follow Christ... And by doing so, they become complicit in the brokenness of the world and the problems that are here. The world's looking for hope and help somewhere. They're they're looking for someone that knows the answer to the dilemmas of life. God's Word gives that, but it's most easily applied through the life of one who's following Christ. You can hand someone scripture and you can read it to them. The Holy Spirit will speak to them. But it's most applicable in the life of a believer who's living the Christ life. Yet so many are shy to do that publicly. They'll do it corporately in a group called uh, the church gathering. They'll do it in a small group, such as a home Bible study or a circle of friends. But out in the world where they might be challenged, and they may have to confront or be confronted. Many are fearful. We've got to become people that are bold with what we believe because we're moving into a time that's frightening, it's terrifying. And there are too many people that want to have the semblance of righteousness without the commitment. They want to be called a Christian, they want to be a follower of Christ, but they are not willing to give up their past, confess their sins, forsake it, and allow the Holy Spirit to guide them. A couple of years ago, I was heading from Valley Grand back into Selma to make a, uh, a visit at the hospital, and I'll never forget, I was coming by the uh, the volunteer fire department there on 22, and my phone rang, and one of our senior adult ladies was in a horrible state she was very upset and she was crying and she said preacher you have got to help me and I said what's wrong and she said well a lady in my Sunday school class and she named the lady and I knew her well she said she's in Jamaica and she's being held and they need eight hundred and sixty six dollars to get her out what are we going to do well lady speaking to me was an octogenarian and was not skilled with the, with the viruses that float around their phone and the computers. And I said, well, are you friends with this lady online? She said, yeah, we're on Facebook together. I said, okay. I said, I'm not going to really worry about that because I saw that lady 45 minutes ago in her front yard raking leaves. I said, I, her house is near mine. And I said, no, she's not in Jamaica, but somebody somewhere wants you to send them some money. She said, that's right, we've got to get the money. And so I went over to the lady's house, detoured from the hospital, went by there, told her, I said, please call this friend and whoever else is your friend on Facebook from your Sunday school class and let them know you're not in Jamaica being held against your will. I realized then that we live in a different world. Viruses have a way of capturing good things and turning them into horrible things. Somebody goes fishing every sort of day in a different way after your information to find out about you. It's frightening. It's terrifying. Malware, malicious software that that will seek to destroy you and to get into your purse and into your life is after you all the time please promise me that if you get one of those lists that says fill out these 13 things what's your favorite color what was your first dog what was your first please don't do that you know what they're doing they're fishing not not in the ocean or on the river or in a lake they're fishing P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G for your personal information because they know that probably in that list, there's at least three things that you have used for your password. Or you put something in there so they can access your information. Now, I say all this to make you realize that the evil one, Satan, is after you also. He's not just after your money or, or your computer status. He's after your soul. He wants you. He can't cause you to lose your salvation, but He can cause you to live as if you're not saved. And if you're not a Christian, He will pull you into the depths of hell. I read a little quote last week that really shook me to my core. It said this. It said that Satan is cunning enough to talk angels out of heaven. And he's also smart enough to talk you into hell. Be careful the voices you listen to. Satan has a way of working in our lives, and it's that time. It's that time. The evil one is active. We understand that we are in the last days. Remember this. Technically speaking, the term the last days began the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. Now that was 2,000 years ago. But every day we've moved closer to that, but suddenly we realize that we're in a situation in the world today as if we've never, ever seen before. In fact, I would put it this way. As one man told me, he said, we're not just in the last days, we're in the last hours. We're in the last hours. The Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith, that they will follow deceptive spirits teachings of demons these people are called hypocrites and liars their consciences are dead they don't understand truth this goes to show us that that not much has changed in 2,000 years although they're using modern ideas such as technology to reach people John was dealing with the same thing in his day that we're dealing with today. We need to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit in discerning false teaching. We need to know what real, true teaching is. Here's the problem. Today, we would rather listen to a person speak than to read something, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through that. The Holy Spirit is not going to interpret to you the words of a teacher or preacher or evangelist. He will interpret His Word. And you need to read it carefully, concisely, productively, regularly in order for the Spirit of God to guide you. That's how you grow. That's how you stay keenly aware that the evil one is in control in the world today. So many people are being led astray. When it says Antichrist, I want to talk about that for a little bit because John tells us to beware of the Antichrists, plural. There's more than one. Now, there's ultimately the Antichrist that is coming in the culmination of time, and there will be a great battle that will occur, the Battle of Armageddon. There will be a resolution, and we already know the end. Don't you hate it when somebody goes to see a movie? They tell you about, you know, oh, you've got to see this movie, it's great. And then they do this, they tell you the end of the movie. You know, well, guess what? In this case, it doesn't upset us. We've already won. Evil will not win, it's already lost. Satan is not fighting because he thinks he can win. He's already lost. He's trying to gather as much as he can unto himself. But he is a destroyed foe. He's like this snake that's already had his head cut off and he can still bite. But he knows that his moments are limited in which he can do that. We've got to understand the importance of what we do before the world because we're the voice that will change their perspective and especially their trajectory into eternity. They can look at us if we're following Christ and they can know who the true Christ is. They can know... What truth is opposed to evil. And then they can be attracted to it in your life. God's called you to do that. Most people who've been around the church at all, or even those who haven't in the last days, you know that term, Antichrist. And you think of the evil one. But the reality is this, as it says in verse 18, it says, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. Now, the the term Antichrist is a very unique term. It means the one opposed to or against Christ. He will lead us away from truth. He will give us a semblance of truth. But it's not really truth. When I first started driving in 1976, one of the things my dad lectured me about over and over and over again was this, and some of you remember back then on cars you had to watch your tires because they just really, most of us couldn't afford steel-belted radials, and we had the regular tires that would wear out very easily, and we had to watch our radiator because you were afraid that a hose would pop in there, and you had to watch your brakes because now brakes last forever on a car now just about. Back then they didn't, but I can remember my dad saying, "When you put antifreeze into your radiator, make sure you put the top on tightly and put it away where no one can get to it." And I can remember asking my dad, "Is it that valuable?" He said, "No." He said, "Smell it." And I opened it up and I smelled it. And you know what it smelled like? It smelled like fruit punch. It smelled good. And he said there's a danger in this because he said it's a deadly carcinogenic chemical that would kill any person or animal, but it smells sweet. And he said people had been, had a penchant, if they wanted to kill an animal, to pour that out somewhere and let them drink it. Of course, if you, if you watch any of the uh, crime programs, you know there's also a number of, of wives that got mad at their husbands and made them a special punch. And they're in prison now for murder. It was a very dangerous thing back then. Now, they, Nowadays, it's not that way. You, you smell uh, coolant that you put in there, and there's nothing about it that would appeal to you. But Back then, there was enough of the sweetness and the positive uh, flavors that you're used to that you would, might drink it. Well, that's how the evil one does. He gives you enough of the good things you like in life but they're saturated with evil. The antichrist works that way. You can turn on the television or or your computer or the radio and listen to any number of speakers that call themselves preachers or evangelists. And they'll spew an idea or an ideology to you and they use enough phrases from scripture that appeal. But what they're saying is not of God. The premise or the foundation of what they're teaching is so far from the truth of Scripture. But it's mixed enough handily with truth that you'll accept it and it will absorb in you. And there's always a taste of something in there that would appeal to you. Teaching started a number of years ago that God would make you rich if you'd do certain things. If you'd pray a certain prayer, if you'd live a certain way, or if you'd give money to a certain preacher, that you'd be rich. And God meant for you to be rich. And I often struggle with hearing that because I grew up reading the Bible when I was very young. And it's very plain in Scripture that God blesses poor people, middle class people, rich people. He doesn't care one way or the other. Money is not a blessing from God. In fact, anybody that's had any kind of money knows sometimes it's a curse. Sometimes it's the worst thing that can ever happen. I've seen more families split and divide over prosperity than adversity. In adversity, they tend to draw to one another. In prosperity, they tend to divide. Yet there are teachers that teach that that God will reward you. The truth of the matter is our reward is not in the sum of dollars and cents. Our reward is out of this world. It's in heaven. The beginning of our reward is is having the privilege of carrying in us the Spirit of God and to be able to share with others that truth and to open their eyes when they're blind. A lot of folks don't understand the importance of that. And there are many antichrists going out in the world. The last days are here. You know, Joel said... In the Old Testament, he said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Meaning, God will begin to reveal to you the importance of what you must do and the difference you need to make. We we are the agent and the agency to change this world. Not television or or cable TV or or the internet. Us. Us. We're it. And the gospel is to be assimilated person to person. As you inquire about their life and as you acquire knowledge about them, you begin to develop a relationship and you walk with them. The Antichrist is coming, but many Antichrists are here. The word used in 1 John is pseudo-Christos. Or the false Christ, the liar Christ, the false Christ. And the reality is, uh, the preposition antichrist means instead of or against. The studious person of faith will realize what they're looking at is heterodox, that it's a lie. But the casual watcher will not understand that. The person that, 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 that casually deals with Christianity on a day-by-day on a day day basis that really doesn't have a walk with God will be fooled. Here's the difference. The antidote is found in you, the life you live. God is depending upon you to change, not the world, but your next-door neighbor not the entire state of Alabama, but your coworker at work. You can't change the black belt in Dallas County, but you can change your best friend that you play cards with once a week. You can speak truth and live truth and display to them the difference and they can know what it is. People have a way of talking to someone they trust. They go to them for advice. Be that person. The second thing I want you to realize is we must stay on the path of truth to the Spirit. You ever try to follow a path that is not well worn? Sometimes you'll get to a spot and the the path splits and you're not sure which way to go. Paths are hard to follow sometimes when one has not uh, been on that path many times. Be careful walking the path of the Spirit. Don't get distracted. Don't allow situations to guide you away from what is true. I found that that to be very true in my life when I would go through times of frustration and anxiety. When I would begin to ask questions of God like, Lord, where are you right now? Or why weren't you with me through that storm? How come you allowed that to happen, Lord? Things that we all ask from time to time. Situations that in more virtuous light from the Holy Spirit, we would be still and we would be quiet because we would know that God is working. That we're in a broken world and bad things happen. And unfortunately, we're not like a a 28 and a half minute sitcom. At the end of it, everything is not resolved. In life, sometimes things just aren't resolved. Bad things happen to good people. And evil people prosper. And horrible organizations sometimes destroy good organizations. We're in a broken world. But God wants us to remain on that path. You see, God's goal is to redeem what is fallen. But He's chosen to redeem it through those of us that follow His Son. He's giving us a part of what is so special. I've heard the story many times of many different people who did this, and I, I, I always thought it was so beautiful. It happened to me in a very, a very mild way when I was growing up. My, my parents, I, I had the opportunity to go to work at 12. I can say that now because I'm in Alabama, not Georgia. I did so illegally. Back then, you had to be 15 to get a worker's permit. I went to work at 12. And I got paid in cash. And I remember when I started my job and I got my first money, my mother said, You know, I'm glad you've got that money now. You can buy your own clothes. I had never bought a stitch of clothing for myself. My mother literally would take us to Sears and Roebuck because we were rambling boys, and she would try. To get us into the boys department and try on what we call back then in the '60s dungarees. you know what dungarees are. Now they've got designer labels, and, and it's scary that it's run the gamut to the point that now people pay exorbitant prices for jeans that my mother would have thrown away, the ones that are torn all over. You know, I saw a little picture the other day that a guy took. It was his four daughters walking out of the woods, and they had the pants with the slits all there, and they were just like that. And he said, here are my four girls coming back from a day in the woods fighting the bears. And it looked like they had been fighting the bears. Well, we didn't wear clothes like that. It, if there was a tear in the knee, it was patched if they were play clothes, and if it serious clothes, you threw them away and got something new and we would dress a certain way and we would prepare and I I, I remember so well how she would do that and then she said you're gonna buy your clothes I was terrified I can remember going out and I thought this is so unfair then I turned 15 and and they said you're gonna pay rent and I paid rent And it was amazing I got to 18, I got my first car, and my mother said, hand me a check and I'll go get your car. And when I saw the check and then I saw what was paid for it, there was a difference of about eleven or $1,200 to the good for me. And I said, did you pay for that part of my car? She said, no, you did. She said, every time you bought any, any clothes, I took the receipt and I wrote it down. And then when you started paying rent, I took the money that you gave me, and I put it aside, and I applied that towards your car. I thought, wow, that's neat. My mother, who never finished high school, had a neat system to teach me something. You know what? God does that. He credits to you those things of righteousness that you do on His behalf. Now, he's not going to do it in this life. You're not going to go buy a car and say, Oh, God just sent over $5,000 towards your new car. He's not going to do that. But in eternity, it is credited for you the blessings that you've brought about, the sacrifices that you've made for others as you have stayed on the path of truth. It matters. God is watching what you do. I like what the New Living Translation says of this passage. It says, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit. The Holy One. It's not a casual transaction. The word that's used there is charisma. Charismatic, we hear that. A charismatic person is one that stands out, that is bold. The Spirit of God is within you. And the term that I love here is the one of anointing. In each of these cases, charisma refers to an anointing that provides the believers with knowledge by teaching them all things. He's saying in those end days there will be deceivers, but you will have within you the Holy Spirit of God, and He will interpret for you everything that you need. You won't be beguiled or misled. In 1 Samuel 16 it says, So is David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took a flask of olive oil that he had brought, and he anointed David with oil, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully. Remember, David was the runt. When when they were trying to fight Goliath, and he for days was challenging someone to come out of of the Israelite group, and he was taunting them. Jesse sent out his biggest son, and and then the next one, and all of them. And they said, that's not the one. And then he said, oh yeah, there's this, my little son back here. He's the one that, that watches after the sheep. Many people have wondered why God took the run of the litter. It's very simple, people, very simple. If he'd taken the strongest son and he'd gone out there and he could have gone nose-to-nose, toe-to-toe against Goliath, who would they have credited with the victory? That son. God does not share his glory with anyone. He always will bless us if we stand with him but he must get the glory for it. When David walked out there and he picked up five smooth stones with his sling, people laughed. They thought, this will be over in a hurry. My only concern is this. Once he killed Goliath and Goliath fell, how on earth did he pick up a sword that was half his own body weight and chop his head off? But he did it. When he raised Goliath's head up, He didn't raise it up for the Israelites to see. He raised it up for Goliath's tribe to see. Because he wanted to prove who the true and the living God was. A miracle happened that day. And in the same way, God wants you to be a miracle worker. He wants you to make a difference. He wants you to stand for what is true and what is right. You're the voice of truth. To expose a wicked world to the cleanliness and the purity of Jesus Christ. To demonstrate that what he teaches us really works. And people get confused. They don't hear that. We, we get caught up sometimes in what I call church speak. The language that we use. Don't, don't do that. Speak plainly to people. I don't see you end up like the little boy that went home and his mom had been sick for several weeks with the flu and... He went home after church, and and the mom was trying to pull out of him. Said, "Well, what did the preacher talk about? What did he say?" And he said, "Well, let me see." He said, "Mom," he said, he, he, he said he said something. He was talking about that that, that God was going to send you a, a a bed quilt. She said, "A bed quilt?" The preacher. She said, "He said, yeah, it's John 14." She turned. She said, "Oh, silly." He said, "He's going to send another comforter." Not a bed quilt. We get confused sometimes with things. We hear words and, and they don't connect. Speak plainly so people won't get confused. Let them know of the truth of Christ. But lastly, realize this, the faithful shall be blessed. The last part of this is so powerful. We should always remain faithful to God and His teachings, always And He will remain faithful to us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. There will be times when it gets dark. But in the darkness, you can feel the presence of God with you. In the loneliness, you can feel Him hugging you and loving you. And, And the sadness and the frustration when you feel like you're fighting the battle alone, strength will rise up in you that's not from you. And that's the affirmation that God loves you. In order for us to continue and to mature in our relationship with Christ, we must hold true to the things that we're taught. No matter what society says to us. No matter how they ridicule us. No matter what social media thinks. They're going to always make fun of us. Certainly they're going to. They're not living for Christ. They're living for the flesh. And there's an end of all flesh. It's called death. It's not about what Hollywood thinks. They've always been heading in the wrong direction. John tells us in verse 24, he says, So you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and the Father. Fellowship, a relationship, it will be there. Not a casual relationship, not a familial relationship but a relationship that is ongoing and constant. One that's based upon love, and trust, faith. It amazes me sometimes how little it takes to divide the body of Christ. We should never let anything divide us. Anything that seems to come between us, we should immediately, immediately go to that one And reconcile whatever it is that's come between us. Whatever's been said or or, or, or understood or miscommunicated. Straighten it out. That's what love is about. That's what God expects of us in such a powerful way. Is Billy Watts here? I don't see Billy Watts. Billy's not here. Can I tell a story about your husband? And I, I've told you all this before. Billy Watts is, you know, I say I, somebody's my favorite, but you're all my favorite people at Different. I love this church. I love this church with all my heart. I think about you all the time. But Billy Watts demonstrated something about walking with the Lord that's so powerful, he's done it several times. When he would hear something or see something in the community that, that was, was not correct, was, was, was not a, of the Lord, you know what he do? He comes straight to me. I remember. I remember one day, Cheryl, your son came into my office and said, "I need to talk to you about something right now." And he sat down, and and I said, "What's wrong?" And he said, "He said uh, Tony Lee's your friend, didn't he?" I said, "Yes, he is. We've been friends ever since we came here. We walk every night." And he said, "Well, I saw Tony Lee with a woman that was not his wife, and and they looked like they knew each other." They were shopping together, and I said, well, when's the last time you talked to Tony? He said, I don't know. I said, well, Tony got divorced two years ago. His wife left, and this is a lady that he's seeing, and by the way, he's married to now. I married him to her a couple of years ago, and he looked at me, and he said, preacher, that's all I needed to know. I'm fine. I'm fine. He drove all the way from Sardis into Selma. He said, I did not want to walk around. Now, he'll probably shoot me for telling that, won't he? He will. But that is how a Christian functions. That's what you do. You don't go to your neighbor or cousin or your friend and, and talk about it. You go right to the, and say, what is going on? That's how we stay strong. Satan wants to divide us. Satan isn't afraid of any of these other organizations out here outside of the church. He has them. They belong to him. He wants to dominate the church. Don't let him do that. We must stay strong. We must stay together. We must be in fellowship with the body of Christ and with our Savior then we can make the difference he's called us to make. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much that in your holy word you give us strength and you give us resolve. We have courage in times of storms because you offer that to us. But Lord, we must stay close to you in fellowship with you. We must understand you. We must walk with you. We must never, ever get distracted. We must know that you love us with an unsearchable love. And Father, I pray right now that as we consider our steps forward, for we live in a broken world that is moving into the end times ever so quickly, it is so necessary for us to stay strong in the faith. Father, I pray that you speak to someone now who their life needs to be stronger. They need to be more in tune with you daily not weekly or monthly but daily not casually but in a committed fashion not just when it's easy but even when they struggle may they stay close to you lord speak to that person now give them the courage and the faith to stay close to you now father i pray that you would bless everyone gathered here and may we be that voice of hope in a hopeless world may we be that that illumination of truth and the darkness of sin and allow us to bless others because you've blessed us. We hear your voice and may your Holy Spirit guide us into all truth. For we pray this in your holy name, Lord. Amen.